This is Me, Myself and Disaster, the show all about disasters with a human focus. From hurricanes to humanitarian issues, we journey across fault lines to explore trends in disaster preparedness, response and recovery and understand how our guests became involved in disasters. Over to you, Disaster Brothers, Josh and Andrew. Hello and welcome back for another episode of Me, Myself and Disaster, the show where we talk all things disaster with a human focus. From large-scale disasters to medical emergencies, everyone in the community has skills to help when the unexpected happens. Today on the show, we're in Singapore to learn how everyone can be a lifesaver. Andrew. Who do we have on the show today? Today on the show, Josh, we're chatting with the Singapore Civil Defence Force and are excited to be joined by Assistant Commissioner Yazid Abdullah, who is a Director of the Volunteer and Community Partnership Department. We're also joined by Colonel Dr. Shalini Arulanandam, Chief Medical Officer for the SCDF. We're going to talk about the way that the SCDF engages the community through training and volunteering opportunities so everyone has an opportunity to be a lifesaver. Yes, Andrew, it certainly is going to be a treat today and there will be no doubt a lot to learn. Let's head over to Singapore and get stuck into it with the Singapore Civil Defence Force. Hi, Yazid and Dr Shalini. Thanks so much for both of you joining us on the show today on Me, Myself and Disaster. Hi, Andrew and Josh. Thank you very much for the opportunity. It's great to be here. Uh, Same here. I'm Yazid from SCDF. Uh, Thanks, Andrew and Josh, uh, for having us. The SCDF is a multi-hazard agency responsible for firefighting, rescue and ambulance services in Singapore. For our listeners who aren't as familiar with the SCDF, can you take us through the role of the agency? So the SCDF is a uniformed organisation under the purview of the Ministry of Home Affairs. Our main role is to provide firefighting, rescue and emergency medical services, as you mentioned, as well as to mitigate hazardous material incidents. Uh, we also formulate, implement and enforce regulations of fire safety and civil defence matters for Singapore. So to perform this, we have established four systems, uh, the public warning system, a comprehensive system of shelters, a rescue system capable of handling multiple and large-scale incidents, as well as command control and communication systems to deploy our resources during emergencies. So in essence, we're known in Singapore as the life-saving force whose mission is to protect and save lives and property. Wow, you certainly have a lot to manage as an agency, and I'd imagine that you'd need a lot of capabilities and capacity to be able to effectively manage that. So it'd be really interesting to now to unpack for our listeners why your shift and why the need for involving the community in training and response. Uh, yes. Um, well, we, we, we see emergencies as something that can happen anytime and anywhere. And uh, while we can have a very capable SCDF, uh, in order to, to respond to these emergencies. It will take time for our emergency frontline responders to reach any incident site. And, and in SCDF, um, we view that everyone can be a lifesaver in an emergency situation. So our narrative is that you know, a, a resident can be trained, uh, firstly, to, to help uh, themselves and uh, help others. That includes their, their family members and their loved ones, you know, their neighbours and, and, and others. So um, our vision of a nation of lifesavers uh, reflects our commitment to involve the population in emergency preparedness. And, and in order to achieve this, you know, we adopt a multi-pronged uh, strategies to reach out, to engage, and to train the population. 
Now, uh, while we would ideally like for everyone to be well-trained in emergency uh, preparedness skills, we also recognize that uh, different segments of the population will have varying levels of uh, commitment, right? Uh, so we came up with a three-tiered uh, framework uh, to get people to become community uh, first responders. Now, at the most basic level, um, residents can be an emergency prepared citizen, you know, a person who has basic emergency preparedness knowledge and skills to help themselves and others to get uh, out of harm's way in times of emergencies. In the middle tier, uh, what we call a bystander responder is a person who is trained in life-saving skills to assist during emergencies. And at the top tier, uh, we have what we call a volunteer lifesaver uh, who is trained in advanced life-saving skills and uh, commits their time to volunteer uh, with the SCDF to support uh, various activities, various exercise, emergency exercises, you know, and, and help as an ambassador uh, to engage other uh, members of the community to come forward, to take part, and, and so on. So to train the public, the SCDF offers uh, free training. Uh, this is what we call the Community Emergency Preparedness Program, a three-tiered course. Uh, that is conducted free at, at our premises. That's an amazing program. And I think it's it really shows, I guess, the depth of your involvement with the community to really involve them in their own uh, responsibility for the local risk. And I wonder if you can take us through your strategy. I know there's three main anchors of home, uh, workplace and school for really how do you, um, I guess, reduce the risk in these locations. Can you take us through uh, what these mean? And and also, I know that um, we've just recently had the International Day, uh, Day for Disaster Risk Reduction and their theme was around governance. And we know that governance is really the effective and mo- most effective way of reducing disaster risk. So with that in mind, I'm wondering what strategies you've put into place in Singapore around those three areas of home, workplace and school to help reduce the risk of disasters in local communities. Um, uh, right, Andrew, thank you for that question. Uh, our main engagement and uh, public education strategy uh, involves what you mentioned uh, around homes, uh, workplaces, and schools. Uh, we call them, uh, you know, ready home program, the ready workplace program, and the ready school program. We believe that, you know, with these three main touch points, uh, we are able to cover uh, the population because, uh, you know, either they'll be at home uh, studying or, you know, being a homemaker or people working, you know, or we can uh, get them uh, when they're young uh, in the schools. So um, let me start uh, with a bit more details on the Ready School program. Uh, the SCDF works with the Ministry of Education to incorporate uh, emergency preparedness and life-saving skills, uh, firstly, into the school curriculum. Um, for students, we offer three volunteer uh, programs. Uh, we call them the Junior Lion Hunter Program uh, for the upper primary school students. Uh, they, these are between the ages of 10 to 12 years. We have the uh, National Civil Defence Cadet Corps. Uh, this is a uniform group that mirrors the SCDF. Uh, it is part of a, a co-curricular program, or what we call an extracurricular program in the schools. Uh, they wear uniforms, they get ranks, you know, they, they, they uh, get to attend uh, various trainings, right? Uh, so the, the NCDCC, in short, uh, caters for students uh, in the upper secondary level uh, between the age of 13 to 16. And then we also have the Civil Defence Lionhearted Clubs for youth uh, between the ages of 17 to 25 in the post-secondary and, and tertiary institutions. 
So so that that covers the the the, the program for for schools. Now for the ready workplace, we organise uh, engagement and training programs for workers in the commercial, the industrial premises as well as uh, other institutions. Um, training is either conducted at their workplaces or uh, or at uh, SCDF's uh, premises. And uh, lastly, a bit about the uh, Ready Home Initiative. Uh, we organise various engagement programs like roadshows, you know, uh, simulation scenario exercises in the residential areas. Uh, we target uh, groups like uh, homemakers, uh, domestic helpers, senior citizens, uh, and, and we organize emergency preparedness uh, training for them. And uh, they are more likely to participate if they see, you know, their, their, their friends, their, their neighbors joining in uh, the, the training. And that's a really good program. I think it's something um, certainly in Australia that we always struggle to for emergency service to reach out to those community groups and target them specifically. So I think that's quite effective and it's really interesting seeing what you guys are doing in Singapore. And in Australia, I know you mentioned earlier that um, ambulance is one of your and paramedic services, one of your key roles. Australia has a, a history of, of heart disease and it's the biggest killer of Australians at the moment. But if a, if a heart attack happens, we rely on local paramedics uh, and ambulances and, and hospitals to treat people. Can you take us through the Save a Life initiative? How, how does that work and how do you might be able to save uh, more people surviving a cardiac arrest in the, in the future through this program? Sometime in late uh, 2014, uh, the SCDF and uh, key stakeholders like the uh, Unit for Pre-Hospital Emergency Care from the Ministry of Health and the Singapore Heart Foundation, we started to look at data on the out-of-hospital cardiac arrest cases. Um, from then, uh, the Save a Life initiative was uh, initiated uh, with the aim of increasing the survival rate of our cardiac arrest victims. You know, by firstly by building a network of uh, trained community first responders, um, the Save a Life initiative um, utilizes a three-prong approach. Uh, first is the hardware. Uh, this is involves the installation of uh, AEDs at uh, publicly accessible places. We have the hardware, uh, which involves training of residents in CPR AED skills, and lastly, uh, the software. Uh, involving the activation of uh, nearby community first responders via the mobile app uh, that we call the My Responder. Now, the My Responder app was introduced in April 2015. Um, what happens is that when an incident occurs, when we have a case of a cardiac arrest or suspected cardiac arrest, the the mobile app outs- crowdsources uh, individuals within the vicinity who are able to respond. And the app also allows individuals to locate their nearest AED so that they can directly go to that location, pick it up, and, and respond uh, to the nearby scene. Now, thankfully, we have uh, like-minded individuals who are willing to commit and volunteer their time, skills, and expertise uh, for the common good of society. To date, we have saved uh, 20 lives uh, from the response of uh, our community first responders uh, who were activated uh, by the app. And another eight lives uh, were saved by members of the public uh, who deployed the AEDs that were made available under the Safer Life uh, Initiative. Now, lives and uh, property have been saved from our responders executing CPR, AED, fetching the nearest AED, or even extinguishing fires. Uh, these small acts build up the spirit of uh, volunteerism within the community and in the long run contribute towards what our vision of a nation of lifesavers. 
Um, the community has also responded enthusiastically to the life-saving cause uh, with some ground-up initiatives. For example, a group of residents created the uh, Queenstown uh, Heart Savers, conducting classes on, on emergency preparedness skills to e- equip their, their own community with the necessary skills to deal with emergencies and, and strengthen their, their resilience. What a great program. And I love the way that it actually puts the power back into communities' hands and looking at how we can actually empower communities to take on responsibility. And we know that every day across the world, people work together to solve problems in their workplace and their personal lives. And that being involved in an emergency service is just another example of people solving a problem. Can you guys take us through perhaps a couple of examples of where the program has been effective in saving lives within Singapore communities? Um, we have seen many examples where members of the public have stepped forward to assist uh, others during uh, an emergency. I uh, just wanted to quote an example of uh, 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 Madam Claudia Tan, uh, an off-duty nurse who was pregnant at the time and attended to two separate cardiac arrest cases in the same apartment unit uh, just months apart. You know, uh, This happened sometime in, in September and December of 2019. And uh, she, she was alerted uh, to the uh, two separate cases at different times through the MyResponder app. And, and just wanted to share that age is not a barrier when it comes to community response. Uh, we have a case of a 15-year-old uh, cadet of the uh, National Civil Defence Cadet Corps. Um, she just you know, finished school and was on the way back and uh, responded to the call uh, of a road traffic accident uh, sometime in July 2019. And, and, and managed to, to uh, save a life. Um, our oldest recipient of the SCDF Community First Responder Award uh, currently is an 81-year-old uh, lady, uh, Madam Lim. Uh, and in 9th of August in 2020, uh, there was a fire that broke out in a neighbor's unit and, and, and she briefly helped to extinguish the fire by using buckets of uh, water. Wow. I think it just goes to show that these sort of programs that really involve the community and it sort of separates us from, although we're very professional emergency services, it's still an opportunity to involve the community in that response and really help them to empower them to, to take action when, when the time is required. I'm wondering though, like, and I know our listeners are probably thinking the same thing, that this is a wonderful initiative, but what about some of the other challenges that you have around uh, liability insurance and um, insurance if someone becomes injured and the risk of disease from, say, mouth to mouth? How do, how do you address those concerns in, in your programs? So that's, that's a very good question because these fears are real. Um, people are always worried about whether they should do CPR because they may break a rib or whether they can use the AED device without electrocuting someone wrongly. So in our education efforts, we, we always emphasize that it is perfectly acceptable and normal, in fact, to break ribs when you're doing effective CPR, but this will not cause greater harm to the patient than the benefit of maintaining a good circulation with with good CPR. And we also emphasize that the AED is something that's simple and foolproof to use and that anybody can, can use it. And, you know, for those who are worried about performing mouth-to-mouth, especially in this environment, it's uh, totally understandable. So we emphasize that the responders only need to perform hands-only or compression-only CPR and that that this is as effective as uh, compression and ventilation in maintaining, you know, circulation and passive oxygenation for those few minutes until the ambulance arrives with the necessary equipment. So even our our op-center specialists on the phone, they advise callers to do hands-only CPR and we teach 
hands-only CPR to our community during our dispatcher assisted first responder or DARE programs in the community. As for the insurance that you mentioned, we have also taken out, uh, as SEDF, we have taken out a group insurance policy to indemnify our community responders against the cost of any medical treatment they may require for injuries sustained when they're responding to a case when they and we activate them through our My Responder app. And although Singapore has no formal Good Samaritan law, to quote our Minister for Law in 2012, he said that in Singapore, there's no major liability concerns for, for Good Samaritan. So I think this is sufficient assurance that anyone can come forward without needing to feel afraid. As mentioned before, governance is really important around how we actually manage emergencies and how we operate in the disaster landscape. And I think one of the things that the industry and the sector is starting to understand is the key pivotal role that private sector actually plays within that governance space. And you guys have actually done this really, really well. What are some of the strategies you could recommend when working with corporations and encouraging them to demonstrate social responsibility and supporting these initiatives that you guys have created? Um, well, I just would like to say that, you know, the, the private sector uh, is an important partner uh, in, in the journey to, to prepare the community. And I would like to share uh, just two strategies that we have adopted. I think firstly is to, to design our program uh, that can appeal to the businesses' uh, corporate social responsibility. So I just wanted to quote uh, a program that we've uh, worked together with the uh, taxi companies uh, we call this the uh, AED on Wheels program. So we've, we've approached a couple of taxi uh, companies uh, with the idea that uh, we can train their taxi drivers, uh, put an AED uh, in the taxis, and uh, we will have you know uh, responders on wheels uh, that can respond to incidents at any time. Uh, and, and we've been fairly successful uh, we, we launched this program in 2015 and uh, we currently have two taxi operators on board and we are continuing to reach out to more taxi operators and we hope that uh, more will, will join this uh, meaningful program. So this, this uh, involves a strategy that, that design a program that can appeal to, to the businesses uh, CSR. I think the second strategy that we have adopted successfully is to reach out to uh, the businesses indirectly uh, through associations or groupings uh, which they have got a stake in. So in Singapore, we, we have the you know Fire Safety Managers Association. We have the Association for uh, Company Emergency Response Teams, or, or CERTs, or ACERTs, we call them. So working through uh, uh, these uh, associations, uh, we, we also have the uh, National Fire and Civil Emergency Preparedness Council uh, that has got uh, represent, representatives from various businesses. So working indirectly through, through these groupings and associations, uh, we can appeal uh, and, and get them involved and engaged in, in various programs uh, to reach out to, to the businesses as well. Um, so we've been fairly successful in, in, in adopting these two uh, strategies. It's really great to see. And I think across the world, we're seeing a shift in the way that people can become engaged or people volunteer with organisations, especially emergency services. I think people want to volunteer differently. And we're seeing that in the research. Generally, they don't want to commit to organisations for the same length of time or as long as they may have previously. What are some of the ways you've engaged younger people and how have they been successful? 
Well, uh, I, I mentioned a bit uh, earlier on the programs that we have for schools. Um, the SCDF uh, has volunteer programs uh, targeted at different age groups uh, to welcome children and the youth to the uh, civil defence course uh, from an early age. I think this is important. Uh, we have the Junior Civil Defence Lionhearted Program, the uh, National Civil Defence Cadet Corps, and, and the Civil Defence Lionhearted Clubs. Now, our volunteers are our ambassadors, right? At a young age, uh, we train them, engage them, uh, and they, they represent the, an important cause uh, in getting people uh, prepared. So as ambassadors, you know, they go out trying to convince uh, their fellow students, right? Uh, their neighbors, their family members, and so on. Uh, and, 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 and this is important. Um, our volunteers are, are what we call uh, proud advocates of the civil defense cause. You know, uh, we, we, there's a story that I wanted to share. Uh, we, we have a teacher in charge of one of our junior civil defense line hunters uh, program in Parkview Primary School. Uh, so this student, in fact, uh, shared the, the, the fact that, you know, after receiving training, she actually uh, went on to teach her parents on the dangers of, you know, overloading uh, power sockets in their home. So uh, this is a situation where we, we, we get them young, we convince them on the importance of emergency preparedness, and they can go out, you know, convincing uh, first their family members, you know, and, and they can share it with their fellow students, classmates, you know, friends, and, and so on and so forth. And um, we also have one of our civil defense linehearted clubs from the Singapore University of Technology and Design, um, uh, and also recently uh, worked with the Singapore Red Cross to start a ground-up fundraiser to collect donation for the victims of the Beirut disaster. So again, uh, you know, we have a volunteer, a young volunteer who, who saw the importance of, of uh, being prepared, you know, and helping out people in, in need. Uh, in, in this particular incident was the Beirut disaster. And, and, and we have other volunteers, uh, young volunteers or youth volunteers who assisted in various other uh, fundraising activities as well. And uh, to our annual Civil Defence Bilateral Forum, we also bring together our, our youth volunteers uh, to exchange ideas and experience, you know, um, and, and uh, remind them on, on the importance of being prepared, you know, and, and also getting others on board. And we are very proud uh, that we have teams of uh, youth that are enthusiastic uh, to advocate the, 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 the important cause of, of being prepared uh, uh, in the community. I think the other really important thing to understand as well is even though there's a shift uh, in communities around how people would like to volunteer and how people want to engage, it's not necessarily that volunteering is dying. It's that volunteering is shifting and evolving into a new space. And I think what we have to do as emergency services as well, we need to adapt and evolve as well. And I think one of the key things that Andrew and myself and a lot of uh, people within industry and research are starting to understand is that we kind of viewed volunteering as separate, to separate to community development, separate to how we actually build resilience. But there's quite a strong link that we're starting to see on the ground operationally that the more people are involved in volunteering in communities, the more resilient communities we actually see. Is this something that you've observed in Singapore? And if so, what are some of the situations where you've observed this on the ground yourselves? Well, uh, the SCDF is working towards uh, a vision uh, to have uh, national lifesavers uh, by 2025 uh, to train everyone in emergency preparedness skills. Now, over the years, we have witnessed uh, more members of the community stepping forward 
as community first responders to help those around them uh, in distress. Now, to encourage more members of the public to step forward as uh, community first responders, um, we show recognition and appreciation uh, to people uh, who have done so uh, via our community awards. Uh, we also publicize our award recipients in the local media and, uh, and SCDF social media uh, platforms to raise public awareness of, of this concept, uh, encourage uh, people uh, to receive training, uh, to come forward uh, and, and, and to respond uh, when a fellow resident uh, you know, uh, is in need of help. I, I think we have a lot of work uh, still to do to reach out to the community uh, in order to achieve our vision. Um, we have to make our programs accessible, right? Uh, and uh, we have to make them engaging and, and to cater to various groups. Um, and and uh, this is something that, that uh, occupies us all the time, you know, uh, how to, to, to make our programs uh, uh, easily accessible to, to the various groups, you know, um, and we will continue to, to, to give this focus uh, as we move forward uh, towards achieving uh, our vision of a nation of lifesavers. Yeah, this is a really interesting topic. And one of our recent guests on the podcast described the community as problem solvers, uh, Dan Neely from New Zealand, uh, because problem solving is an everyday skill set that our communities utilise. It's just a different context during a disaster. Uh, Have you seen any examples of where your capability is expanded as a result of increased community participation with the Singapore Civil Defence Force? Definitely in the... uh context of uh, emergency medical response, the community can be um, not only problem solvers, but also force multipliers. For example, when you have cardiac arrest, we have examples where the uh, community responders, they continue to assist the ambulance crew in, in continuing the CPR after the ambulance crew arrives. And this frees up our crew to perform the more advanced procedures. And in some cases, in road traffic accidents, for example, they help to clear crowds and you know comfort uh, distressed relatives, children in the vicinity. And this also enables us to better carry out our work and care for our patients. And uh, as an extension of the community, we've also been started the process of cross-training our firefighters in SCDF as emergency medical technicians and thus dispatching them uh, the fire appliances out in addition to the ambulances for cardiac arrest cases. So at scene, we may have up to eight people working on one patient. The firefighter crew will be doing the basic uh, life support and the ambulance crew focusing on the advanced life support. So with more hands on deck, sometimes it's very helpful. If I was, say, a, a Singapore resident and wanted to come along and undertake some training, what types of training could I undertake with the SCDF? Well, um, a resident can attend our Community Emergency Preparedness Program, or CEPP in short. Uh, it's conducted free. Um, all you need to do is, you know, find the time to come. Uh, it's conducted during the weekdays, during the weekends, you know, and on some occasion where we have uh, requests from from uh, companies and, and uh, corporations. Uh, we can even conduct uh, the training uh, at, at their location. Uh, now, the training involves uh, three tiers. Uh, tier one is a 15-minute online uh, module focusing on what to do when a fire breaks out, or improvise uh, first aid skills. Um, recently, we also introduced uh, the online version of uh, tier two, uh, which is a three and a half hour program if you done it if you do it uh, practically uh, but we have the online version uh, now um, and and uh, that covers uh, a bit more uh, it also covers the portion about uh, 
preparedness for, for terrorist attacks, you know, uh, some inputs on our national counterterrorism movement, CPR, AED, first aid, ICP. Um, the training, uh, again, I mentioned conducted free. It's conducted uh, primarily at our premises, uh, at our division headquarters. There are four uh, division headquarters uh, throughout Singapore, uh, north, south, east, west, so a resident can make uh, their way there uh, to receive the training. Um, now, alternatively, residents can also choose to volunteer uh, as a member of our civil defence uh, auxiliary unit, uh, where they can be trained and, and respond to incidents alongside our regular officers. So as a CDUU member, in the firefighting vocation, for example, uh, you receive training in in um, firefighting, similar to uh, how our firefighters are trained, and uh, based on your commitment to to join the fire station, uh, you know, uh, you work together with our regular firefighters uh, to respond to emergencies. It's just just one vocation. We have several vocations as part of the volunteer unit. Uh, we have firefighting, we have uh, EMTs, we have uh, volunteers who are also uh, public education uh, officers. Uh, they help to conduct training uh, for the community. And, and uh, we try to uh, cater for training of the community uh, based on the time that uh, it's available to them. Uh, I mentioned again, you know, uh, if it's weekdays in the evenings, you know, during the weekends. Uh, so the training is there yeah, when they're interested. Makes me want to move to Singapore, hearing all that op- all the opportunity to train after come on over. So just want to take a minute to kind of pivot and shift in this discussion and have a bit bit of a talk about innovation. I know this is something that uh, for the Singapore Civil Defence Force, it's been a key pillar in a lot of the work that you have done. And I'm really interested in how you've harnessed technology. When we spoke recently, you mentioned that there are a couple of concepts that the Singapore Civil Defence Force is working on, including uh, life-saving connect. Can you talk us through um, this concept and for our listeners, help them understand what this means? Uh, the, the, the SCDS is, is uh, trying to uh, build up an ecosystem of what we call uh, the Lifesavers Connect Network. Uh, this involves uh, various uh, training touch points uh, within the community. Um, the first of the uh, touch point uh, we are trying to create is to carve out a corner within our five posts. There are about 25 around Singapore where the public can come uh, and uh, practice their uh, emergency preparedness skills. Uh, I mentioned earlier about the uh, online version of, of, uh, of uh, emergency preparedness. Um, and within this, this uh, Life Service Connect zone, uh, as part of the fire post, uh, they, the community can come and practice their CPR, their skills on in-place protection, their skills on improvised first aid. So we, we've catered a uh, you know, small space for, for the community to come and, and practice uh, such skills. Um, we are also providing and enhancing uh training at our division headquarters. Uh, I've shared earlier about, you know, the community being able to come for CEPP training in, in four of our division headquarters. And uh, we are enhancing uh, these uh, facilities, not only uh, by just having a classroom, uh, we are going to create uh, 
simulation rooms where they can uh, go through a uh, simulation of a fire, you know, either at home or, or in the office or in the factory. Uh, we will have a simulation for a terrorist attack, you know, where they can learn about how to take safe covers, how to uh, undertake uh, improvised first aid. Um, so that's something that we're doing. Uh, we are also looking at uh, harnessing technology to improve uh, visitors' experience to our uh, Lifesavers Connect hub. Uh, I mentioned the, the zone that we're going to build uh, in the fire post. I talk about the Lifesavers Connect centers in the division headquarters. And uh, on top of that, uh, we're going to have a, 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 a building uh, that will uh, bring together all interactive exhibits it's, you know, still the art simulators uh, where people can come and learn life-saving skills, uh, knowledge in a fun and practical way. So that, that, that's something that, that, that uh, we are actively uh, planning and uh, using a augmented reality, virtual reality to simulate scenarios. And I think the, the, we, we can create immersive experience uh, for, for the visitors and, and uh, uh, to heighten the, the realism of disasters, emergency scenarios, so that they, 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 they can learn it, you know, uh, uh, learn about emergency preparedness, learn about civil defense uh, in, in a fun and, and very, very interactive way. And really interesting to see how that goes. I think the whole sort of gamification of emergency management and seeing people in a real immersive experience will really change people's perception of risk and see, I guess, change their opinion on what they'll do in a disaster. So really keen to see how that uh, turns out. And staying on the topic of technology, uh, I know earlier this year the SCDF partnered with IBM for the Lifesavers Innovation Challenge. And that was a hackathon-style event designed to encourage coders to develop solutions to big challenges, including climate change, uh, working with the Internet of Things, and using analytics to improve emergency response times. Can you take us through this and some of the, the leading ideas that came out of the, the hackathon? Yes, we, we had this 48-hour uh, hackathon where we challenged some students to leverage technology using AI and machine learning, all the new sexy stuff to address the future challenges of emergency response. And this was the third year the event was held. It attracted 370. That was a record this year. And 370 teams, and that's about 1,250 students. So the winning idea was actually that uh, for a smart evacuation and rescue system. So this system would leverage data from smart features and infrastructures like sensors and IoT devices in buildings. And then it would uh, highlight the fastest and safest evacuation routes for occupants of the buildings during emergencies. And it would also provide uh, inf information for emergency responders to locate these uh, survivors. So this was, uh, we're working closely now with the top five teams to develop, test, and hopefully implement their ideas one day. So we see these uh, events like the Innovation Challenge is another way of getting the community invested in improving the way we work and Singapore's safety and security. Within SCDF, we're also uh, you know, trying to use data and uh, AI more. For example, um, at the Ops Centre, to try to improve the accuracy of how we triage cases, uh, we're actually uh, working with one of our local universities to develop an AI-assisted tri triage uh, algorithm that will use the patient's age as well as the, the medical history from their previous conveyances to help us get a better uh, idea of their triage accuracy and then be able to um, um, deploy our resources uh, for the cases that need it most and then even divert patients to uh, other areas, other receptacles of care other than the emergency departments because with our aging population, the demand for ambulance services is really growing and we're also loading the emergency departments quite a bit. 
So we're trying to mitigate a bit of this uh, overloading. Uh, the other thing we're doing is to, to issue, uh, we're doing a trial project of issuing our community responders with the CPR cards. And what the, it, it works as is uh, when you're activated for a case in the community to, to perform CPR, you place the card on the patient's chest and it actually is connected to an app on the phone and it gives you some feedback on the rate and the depth of your compression so that you can tailor your CPR more effectively. And we're also piloting a connection of, from that device through the MyResponder app back to our SCDF Ops Center so that the, the person, the dispatcher on the phone can give you instructions as well on how to improve the rate and the depth of your CPR. So these are some of the things that we're trying to do to utilize uh, technology. Wow, what, what a great concept. And I think that's something that a lot of uh, ourselves and our listeners from around the world could possibly replicate in their own local areas around how they could harness innovation and how they could foster that to empower communities. And I really encourage our listeners um, to what they've just heard, think about how they could actually implement that in their own organisation. But I'm wondering about your journey and how you came to work in this sector. So Yazid and Dr. Shalini, for for those listening interested in a career similar to yourselves, can you take us through your journey of how you came to work for the Singapore Civil Defence? Well, for me, I I joined the SEDF right after my university education about 30 years ago. You know, I always wanted to be a firefighter. Um, and I've, I've really been, been fortunate uh, to, to gain the trust of the organization to, to undertake various responsibilities uh, through the years, uh, from, from managing a shift, you know, uh, managing a station, uh, and then running the, the division. Um, I, I, I had uh, a time uh, to, to manage the training portfolio for, for the organization. And... Um, I was running EMS for about five years, uh, and, and, and since February 2019, I've been given a, a new portfolio to run the SEDF's uh, Volunteer and Community Partnership Department. Um, all I can say is that, you know, uh, uh, we, we need to, 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 to work hard uh, to discharge the, the responsibilities that are given to us. Uh, we can be, we should be professional at all times. And, and uh, open the the heart uh, you know to to learn new skills you know I, I i i've been doing operations i've been you know uh running the ambulance service you know now running volunteers and i, I and i think we, you're able to do many things uh different things uh if you tell yourself that that uh something that you can learn you know uh and, and contribute as well and and i've been fortunate uh to to, to be given the opportunities and Dr. Shalini, what about yourself? What? How did you end up in this in this area? I mean, I know for me and and for Josh also, we never thought we'd work in emergency management, but our sort of careers have taken us here, and um, and that's where we've ended up. But how about yourself? How did you find yourself in this in this particular role? Yeah, actually, mine has been a very different journey from from uh, Yazid's. So uh, at 18, I actually took up a scholarship uh, from the Singapore Armed Forces to study medicine. And so after finishing my studies, I, I worked in both the Navy and in the Ministry of Defense uh, in the capacity of a medical officer. And then in 2018, I was offered a, a chance to be seconded to SEDF as the chief medical officer. So since then, I've been very fortunate to work with my colleagues here on various initiatives like uh, the EMS tip response framework. And I've also worked with uh, many people on the ground on, on uh, new innovations like the Responders Performance Vehicle, which is a purpose-built vehicle which uh, can do a cold water immersion and treat emergency responders who have heat injury when they're uh, fighting prolonged fires. 
So, of course, the biggest challenge of my last uh, two and a half years here has been the COVID-19 pandemic. So, you know, I've been involved uh, with my colleagues in, revo- in reviewing and implementing some of the changes in policies um, to ensure the safety of our crew and our patients. And I've also, you know, uh, helped out with other things like uh, swabbing operations in Singapore, uh, training and equipping um, of, the, of taxi drivers and private hire drivers with PPE so that they can transport patients and things like that. So it's been a, a very good experience here, a very dynamic organization to work with, and uh, I find it very rewarding. And certainly COVID-19 has been a challenge for all of us and I think it will change the way we do things in the future and the way we think of emergencies. But um, it's certainly uh, good to see that you guys are are progressing with some really innovative ways of working with communities and saving lives. So it's been fascinating chatting. I really enjoyed the chat with you both and learning more about initiatives in Singapore, how you're overcoming the barriers to volunteering and focusing on the communities that really is problem solvers. We've shared a few photos on our website at memyselfdisaster.com for our listeners to take a look at. And thanks so much for joining us on the show today is Ed and Dr. Shalini and look forward to hearing more about your concepts coming to life in Singapore in the future. Thanks so much. Thank you, Andrew. Very much. Thank you. That's all we have time for today. Join us again next time as we talk to more guests from across the world about their experiences during disasters. We'll catch you then. Thanks for listening to Me, Myself and Disaster. Subscribe today at memyselfdisaster.com. Learn more about disasters and follow our blog at disasterbros.com.